0: Good morning, good morning. So, hey, for some of y'all that, that do not know me, my name is Jack Hare. I am the student pastor here. And so if this is the first time you've been here since I've preached, do not be shocked. I normally do preach barefooted. And you're like, what is that even about? Some of y'all are about tired of this story, but I, I don't want to shock anybody. Uh, I don't see real well. Um, I, I, I really do don't see real well, and so what this does, being barefooted, helps me not kill myself as I step off the stage. So uh, I, I go barefooted because, again, I, I can't see, and so uh, these toes will stay on this board so that I don't fall and break a leg. Uh, there are many in here that, over the years, are like, man, just just one time, Lord. Just, just one time, you know, and so uh, they're praying that I will fall off because I do stumble real well. So just kind of roll with it. Hey, that's my teaching moment for today. When you fall, don't try to stop it. Tuck and roll, baby. Tuck and roll. So. Um, hey, so I want to get started this morning by telling a story but I need to give you the, the dynamics of my family and, and not like my kids and my wife over here, but as a child growing up some of you guys have heard some of the stories my, my childhood was really fun uh, there were some things that happened in my childhood that uh, you know probably have warped me so um, and so with that uh, some of the things that happened I want you to understand is uh, first and foremost I've got two older sisters uh, that, that are about I think eight nine years old Years older than I am. Uh, I've got an older brother who was two and a half years older than I am. And then I have a younger brother who came along that's about 10 years younger than I am. So, growing up, uh, one of the stories that I've told in here before is I have an older brother that has this fascination when we were growing up with fire. And so I've told the story about him burning the house down, and it was a couple weeks before Christmas. And here's the thing, man, a couple weeks before Christmas, uh, uh, and I was probably three or four years old, uh, I remember that Christmas like really, really well because we grew up very poor. We just didn't have a lot. And so I remember that Christmas, you know, of our house just about burning down, but the church up the street heard about it. And so they took care of Christmas for us. And I remember as a child, again, some of y'all like, you got kids, you understand this. During Christmas, they wake up hours before the sun does, don't they? You know what I mean? Some of y'all, yep, they sure do. And so I remember like my family uh, would keep the Christmas tree on all night. And so I remember this particular Christmas, like, walking down the hallway, and, like, the, 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 the living room was just lit up. And I was like, did Keith start a fire again? You know, but as I walked around the corner, here's what happened. I don't know if it was the Christmas tree or, like, if it was an angel, because all of a sudden I walked around, and it was like, ah, oh! it was as many presents as I could see. And I was like, we never had a Christmas like this before. And so I went and got all these gifts. Like, oh, man, I've never had this much stuff before. We're burning the house down every year. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what we're going to do up in here. And so I was like, Keith, genius move, son, genius move. Um, a couple months after he burnt the house down, he actually caught the woods on our, behind our house on fire. So, again, fire and Keith, do. I just realized there's a dog right there. I'm ADD, I'm sorry. Um, don't move past this stage if you do real slow, because I may jump off and be like, what are you doing? So, um, but, so check it out. So again, Keith and Fire. So a couple years ago, uh, my brother and his, his, his current wife, that was current wife, his wife, um, you know, <laughs> <golly>. <laughs> Yeah, you got to love that. His wife, um, they just got married, and, and they had their first child, and her name is Kaylin. And Kaylin was probably probably six months old. And, and I said this in first service. I said, you know, this was a time when he still loved his wife. I'm just kidding. He still loves his wife. But they actually went out on a date. And here's the issue. They asked Keith to come watch their child. Now, understand this. Keith is a bachelor. He's not married. He doesn't have any kids, if you were to meet Chris and I, who is my younger brother, you'd be like, God, I can see we're their brothers. I mean, you know, we dress similarly, you know, it's, we've got similar interests, and so you would be like, all right, Keith, Chris, or, or Chris, Jack, y-. but if you see Keith, Keith is a little different, and, and, and not, a, it's just, he's just different. I give you an, an example. So if we were walking up again, I'm gonna be barefooted in shorts because that's how I do stuff. Chris probably gonna be wearing something casual. This is Keith, and some of y'all have met Keith. Travis Rollins is over here. He's met Keith. When Keith walks through the door, he's gonna have a hat turned on backwards. Um, he's either going to have long hair, it's going to be shaggy or something, he just the way he is. Um, he's going to have like jeans on, they may be ripped, may not be ripped. Uh, he will have a Megadeth shirt on, and he will have the widest Nikes you've ever seen in the history of the world on, and that's just his... Just who he is, and, and it's fine. Um, and so they've got Keith. Uh, so again, I want you to remember that. So they've got Keith coming to watch um, their child, uh, and and he's got no experience. And this child's six months old. And I'm sitting there thinking, Chris, really? It's a guy who burnt, you know, like houses down, and, and you know, and you're gonna have him watch your child. And so this particular day, he comes in. It's it's later in the night, and so he comes to watch Kalen. They've already put Kalen down for a nap. And so it's a cool, like brisk late fall, early winter night. And so Keith's a little bored, so he decides to go on their back patio. And as he walks out, what does he see? A fire pit. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, this is not gonna be good. So he walks over to the fire pit, and he's putting logs in there, and he's trying to start a fire. And he's having a problem starting a fire. And I'm like, dude, were you rusty? I mean, <laughs> you had this thing down back in the day, you know. And so he's, he's putting the logs on. He's like, hey, I'm just going to have this quaint little moment on their, their porch. And so um, he's got, you know, a couple little embers going, but nothing will kind of light. So over off to the site, uh, uh, to his right, he kind of sees this red gas can, And so he decides, hey, I'll just pour a little gas on it. So he grabs the gas can and he starts to pour and as the liquid hits the ember, fire shoots up the stream and it goes inside the gas can and he throws the gas can. Let's fast forward a couple hours. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is awesome because I'm picturing this in my head. Um, You're like, "But but you're blind. I can do picture stuff. (laughs) So Chris comes home, and Keith's like, we got an issue. And he's like, what do you mean we got an issue? And again, this is their brand new house, everything. So Keith takes Chris on the backyard, and he's like, man, I tried to start a fire, and it just, I did start a fire, you know. And so, and Chris is like, well, he's looking around, he's like, "What, what is this? He says, well, that's... What was left of your gas can after it exploded? It's just kind of a red puddle of like plastic down here now. And man, I'm kind of sorry about that. And then Chris looks over and says, well, what is that? He goes, well, when the gas can ignited, I threw it and it landed on top of your grill. And that's your grill cover. Well, what's left of it? And then Chris is looking around like, well, what is that marshmallow burnt-looking thing right over here? And he's like, that's what's left of my Nike shoe as I tried to stamp it out, and he caught himself on fire. So, um, and and so, just a burnt-looking marshmallow thing. And so, uh, again, it's like, Chris... What'd you expect? Keith likes fires, you know? So (laughs) what's that got to do with anything? Today we're gonna talk about something a little bit different because I wanna talk about fires, but I wanna talk about a spiritual fire. I wanna talk about, hey, what happens when the love and the passion that we have for Jesus Christ, that fire that we have starts to diminish in our hearts? Because each and every one of us in here who have given their lives to Christ, there are probably moments we can talk about being on a spiritual high, that being on that mountaintop, but also maybe, maybe many of us in here, and again, uh, this is me, we almost find ourselves sometimes kind of in that valley also, right? We desire to be here, but if we're, we're honest with one another, maybe some of us are here, Maybe some of y'all are about halfway up, but maybe some of y'all are up there. But I wanna specifically talk to the ones about, hey, how do we reignite that fire for Christ that maybe we've had at one point? I talk about this to my students all the time because what will happen like at summer camp is I will bring them home from summer camp, and these students will be on fire for Christ. Why? Because they've kind of put themselves in a bubble of just um, having the right influences, the right worship, the right messages in this little bubble uh, that's called camp, and really they come out on the other side really on fire, and so I like to do a message similar to this to those students to say, hey, how do we keep these fires going? How do we? keep this passion for Christ going. But I wanna turn this to say, hey, how do we get that passion back? How do we get those fires back? How can I get back on that mountaintop that, that, that moment when, you know what, I felt like the closest to Christ that I've ever been before in my life? Because as I got, and as Andrew asked me uh, about a week and a half ago, hey, would you be willing to come and preach? And I told him yes. And then I started to pray, hey God, what, what do you want me to talk about? And here's the thing. He wanted me to talk about this because this is what I'm struggling with now. This is where I'm at right now because let's be, let's be just serious for just a moment. The climate just in our world, here with our nation right now, seems to be in some turmoil. And what will happen a lot of times is we allow those things, these things that are going on in our world right now, to truly impact maybe even our relationship with Christ Because we start to look and we start to worry and we start to sit here and critique and do these things and what happens is as we are putting those things as priorities in our lives, we're kind of moving God out of his rightful place, which should be here, not here. So I want to talk about five ways Five ways to reignite that fire. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna look in Scripture. We're gonna look in uh, Philippians chapter three, but I kinda wanna set Philippians chapter three up and kinda give you an idea of what's going on here. Um, this is Paul. Paul is in prison um, at this point and he's writing to the church um, in Philippi. And what is going on in Philippi at this time, I want you guys to understand, Paul has got a real love for these people. Why, because it is his first, um, his, one of his first missions to Eastern Europe was to go here and kinda set this Christian settlement up uh, uh, here in, in Philippi and this movement of Christ up in this place that, that you know what, that, that he knew that hey, um, could really maybe take off, but where God was leading him to really preach the gospel. And he saw some fruits from this, but also what's going on here in that area is this. Again, it's Eastern Europe, um, it's it's ancient Macedonia, and what Paul is doing is he's going to basically a retirement uh, place for uh, the Romans, So when Romans would get like us, hey, we wanna retire, a lot of us will go, hey, we're going to South Florida, right? And that's where we're gonna go. Well, here a lot of the Roman citizens would go to Eastern Europe to this place called Philippi and that would be where they would retire, And so uh, Paul makes his journey there, he preaches the gospel, he sees some fruit from there. Now here's the thing, he feels some pushback too. There's some tension going on there because these are good Roman citizens, they've heard about Christianity, they've heard about Jesus, and they're not really willing to accept it. So there's some persecution, some things that's going on here. And so Paul is writing this letter to basically encourage them. And during this time, what is awesome is Philippi, uh, the church there is actually encouraging Paul also because they send a guy named um, uh to Paul and basically bring him some money while he's in prison. They take it, he goes there to kind of help take care of Paul um, to really assist him and be like, hey, what do you need, Paul? And, and so uh, he's given uh, Aphroditus these um, uh, uh, letters and things like that to take back to Philippi. And so that's what we're seeing here. And so Paul is encouraging and trying to challenge the church in Philippi to say, hey, you know what? Here's what you need to do to kind of overcome that persecution. Maybe to overcome that that lull that you're having right now that you're not feeling as close to Christ as maybe you once were. So let's dive into this. We're gonna be in Philippians chapter three. I wanna look at verses seven through 11. Philippians seven through 11, and it says this. This is Paul, but... Whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For the sake I have suffered... Um, the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. Verse nine goes on to say, and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. He goes on to say, that I may know him and the power of the resurrection, and may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Saint um, Catherine of Siena says this He says, The devil fears hearts. On the fire with the love of God. Let's say that again. The devil fears hearts that are on fire with the love of God. So again, five ways, five things that I wanna encourage you guys to do as we look into these scriptures. Say, hey, if you want to reignite that fire, if you wanna get back um, um, that passion that you once had for Christ, let's try these things. And again, it's found in his word. It's found in Philippians chapter three. The first one is this. Put out worldly fires. Verse seven says, count all things As lost, all things is lost. Sometimes that you know we can have passions. I have passions. Some of you guys know my passions. Normally, I've got sitting right out there is the most beautiful ride you will ever see in all of humanity—a Florida State golf cart. I'm a huge Florida State fan. I'm passionate about Florida State sports. We beat the mess out of Clemson yesterday in basketball, and I loved every second of it. Y'all like basketball ain't even really a sport. (sighs) It's all about football in these parts, there, bro. So. Um, we used to be good in football, but apparently we turned into a basketball school along the way. So, um, but, but here's the thing, man, I'm passionate about bas- uh, uh, Florida State sports. Whether it's baseball, whether it's girls' soccer, whether, hey, you know what? We have water polo going on, underweather basket weaving. I'm passionate about it. I love Florida State, love the university, been down there many a times. Um, and you're like, Bo, what you doing these parts? You've been a Florida State fan. We don't care for your kind around here. I'm from Florida. You see, I'm a little different, you know. So, but it's kind of where I'm from. It's what I grew up. And so again, I'm passionate about it. A couple other things I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about students, love students. If you know me, I love students. I think students are where it's at. I love to, to, that, that God has allowed me to pour into some of your students um, and, and to watch them grow in Christ and to watch them come to Christ and all that. To me, there's like no greater thing on this earth than see a young person broken for Christ and given their life to Christ. Because my thought is, dude, they've got their entire life lives ahead of them to impact this world. If you see I got chill bumps on my arms as I think about that, love your students. Absolutely love them. Another thing that I love is my kids. I wanna see my kids succeed like you wanna see your kids succeed, right? My boy went down to Charleston the other night, scored him 14 points, scored half the points for the basketball team, like, my boy! I don't know nothing about basketball. Blind people playing basketball is a bad idea. We shoot at the wrong goal. I shoot in the stands. I don't know where I'm shooting, but he can play ball. So he had a great game. He got spanked, but he had a great game, and I was excited. Like, my boy, my girls, my girl cheerleads, does competition cheerlead. Love watching her do flips and stuff, and I'm like, he's like, how can you watch him do flips? You're blind. You know, I got some cool glasses. I have to show them to you one day. Um, my other little one, dances. Love watching her do that, but I love my kids. Love passionate. Want to see my kids succeed like you want to see them succeed. You want to see your kids succeed. You're like, I don't care about your kids. I just want my kids to succeed. But here's the thing. We're passionate about our kids, right? We had Miss Ellie yesterday. You know, I know the roads are here. Hey, their little girl was in Miss Ellie. It's awesome. You know what I mean? They want to see them succeed. She looked awesome in her dress. But here's the thing. We have those passions, and there's nothing wrong with those passions. We just need to make sure that we put them in their rightful place. God has always got to come first, even over your family. And some of you guys that are sitting in here right now, maybe you don't know Jesus, and you're like, that doesn't even seem right. Until you know Jesus, you won't understand it. And I hate to say that, but it's just the way it is. Because here's what I want you to understand. 23 years ago, I gave my life to Christ. I gave my life to Christ. When I gave it to him, I mean I gave it completely to him. It's like if I gave Terry Rose my iPad right there It's his iPad now, I can't tell him what to do with it. It's the same thing if you say that you've given your life to Christ, it's his now. You can't tell Jesus what you wanna do with it, right? Because then you truly haven't given your life to Christ if you're trying to tell him what to do with it. So again, when we've given our life to Christ, it's all about, hey, it's yours now, Jesus, it's not mine. Tell me what you want me to do. I will be your hands and I will be your feet, And so when I give it to him, it's his now, it's his to do whatever he wants to because it's his. And my main priority right now in life is serving him. So what we've gotta do is we've got to look, we've got to examine, and we've got to do what this first thing says. Um, We have to look and say, hey, put out worldly desires. See, everyone is passionate about something. And our fleshly desires cannot, let me say this again, our fleshly desires cannot glorify God. Romans 7 verse 18 says this, he says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. See, when we realize what really matters, we must put out the fires of worldliness in our lives so that we may experience a closer walk with Christ. See, every time we have those things that we put above Christ, it's putting a buffer between me and Christ. Christ never moves. He is who he is, He's, 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 he loves you, he's going to be there, but here's the thing, a lot of times you're like, man, I just don't feel Christ. I used to feel like I used to hear him and I could feel his arms around me and I could feel him guiding me. Here's the thing, Christ hasn't moved, we have. Because we've allowed those things to get in our lives and we keep taking and allowing something else to get there and something else to get there. And next thing you know, we've got 10 things in front of Jesus not because he's moved but because we've moved. So we have to look at those desires that we have that are worldly desires and say hey, we need to replace those, we need to get rid of those, we need to put those in its rightful place. What does that mean? It Hear me, it doesn't mean I don't go support my children. It just means hey, you know what, I need to put it in its rightful place. It doesn't mean that you know what, I don't so, go support my favorite team. No, you just need to put it in its rightful place and Christ always needs to be on his throne, and he always needs to be the f- number one. Second point is this, we need to scorn your own goodness. Philippians nine through 11, there's a part in it says, not having a righteousness of my own. See, we will never love the righteousness of Christ until we see that we can only sin apart from Christ. See, there's a lot of times what'll happen is we will find ourselves Doing stuff that seems to be very good works, and it probably is good works. We have a great ministry here on Monday nights that feed the uh, the, the, the needy. Um, you know, we do sacks of love, and these are great, great programs. These are great, great things. Some of you guys you serve in our children's ministry. Some serve in our student ministry. Some are just a smiling face and give you a high five. Well, not in this area. We kind of give you a, an air dap. You know, and and but that's where you serve, and those are great, great places to serve. But sometimes, and and what I tell my students all the time is this, if Satan can't have your heart, he'll make you busy. If Satan can't have your heart, he'll make you busy. And it may even be church work. It may even be good work. But what happens is we get caught up in that and doing these good works. And we also get caught up in the idea of, hey, man, I'm doing so good. Look at all the good stuff I'm doing. And sometimes we find ourselves elevating ourselves above the people that we're even serving. There's a story um, that I like to tell that uh, with my first youth ministry that I had, we went to a place called War, West Virginia. Love this because we had shirts and it said, going to war, you know what I mean? Like, how cool is that? And so it was talking about going to West Virginia, and what had happened during this time is there was a big flood that happened in the early 2000s, and when we got up there, you could see the flood levels over the roofs of the houses, And so we brought a big U-Haul up there and we had some cool stuff, just kind of loving on the kids. So we started this little like closed pantry area um, and just loving on the people and replacing a bunch of the stuff that maybe they had lost. And we were up there all week and so we're just kind of loving on people and and hanging out with the students up there and and it's awesome because they would meet us at the little store that we were at before we would even get there because there really wasn't anything else going on in that town. And so uh, my kids that are up there and they're just kind of loving on these kids and throughout the week, we're there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, really building relationships. And then this happened. There was a church from Indiana that pulls in and they kind of swung in real quick. It's like, oh, we're only gonna be here for like two hours. We're gonna do a real quick church service. And so they did like hot dogs, like asking everybody to come and they did this great gospel presentation, which was amazing. But then this happened that night. We were... Uh, downloading. We were uh, in my youth group, small group, and we were talking about, hey, all right, what happened during the day? What's the good, the bad, the ugly kind of thing? And I remember one of the students uh, named Whitney said to me, she goes, those kids from Indiana, she goes, they came in, and she says, the way that they talked to us was just different. She says, you know, she says, they came in, and she goes, it was like they were talking down to us, like, oh, you guys live around here, and you guys are poor, and you guys do this. And they're like, no, we're actually from South Carolina. And this really hit her, and I thought it really hit the team as she was talking about the way that she felt like this church from Indiana had kind of treated them, but even the kids in West Virginia. And here's what she said that I thought was so profound and has stuck with me all these years. She says, did we talk to the kids in West Virginia the way that those kids talked to us? Did we talk down to them? And I thought that was so telling and I thought that was so, it showed such maturity, you know, and saying, hey, she goes, because my desire is I didn't want to do that. She goes, I'm hoping we didn't, but it was really kind of evaluating and thinking, hey, look how good I am. Look where I live You know, look what I'm doing. And sometimes we get caught up in our own righteousness, right? We get caught up and say, hey, I'm so good. Man, I do all this stuff. And so we need to be careful of that. We need to scorn against that. Again, good stuff is good to do, but you never elevate yourself. Because here's the thing. In my weakness, he's made strong. And when I look and I say, hey, you know what, why am I here? I'm here because God put this calling on my heart. Not because I want to elevate myself, but I want to show you Jesus. I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. He's the one that gets the glory, not me. It's all about him. Because apart from him, as the scripture says, I can't do good. It's impossible. So again, he needs to get the glory, not you. Third thing is this, long to know Christ personally. Verse 10 says, Paul says, that I may know him. Love this, that I may know him. And what we need to understand is the verse isn't talking about, hey, you know what? I need to go do more Bible studies. I need to go and you know what, have more quiet times. And those are great. Don't, don't don't take this away and say, hey, you know, man, he said we don't even need to read our Bible. No, that's not what I'm saying. Those things are great. You should dive into God's word. But here's what you need to be careful of is we don't have holy huddles where it's like, hey, we're just gonna be caught up in here. And we do, and, and, and it's all about knowing and knowing and knowing, and you know what, because I hear this garbage all the time, and it's like, dude, you're missing it. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not about information, it's about transformation. It's not knowing stuff about God, it's about knowing God and experiencing God. Because sometimes we want to sit here and we want to just open our mouths and feed me four more, feed me more, feed me more, and all you're doing is you're making a fat Christian because you're not willing to go and look and do anything for the kingdom because you're so worried about you. Understand this, the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't about you if you're a Christian. It's about you taking the love of Christ to those that are out there. And it's always, always about Jesus. So again, we just need to be careful that you know what, that we don't get caught up in me and me and me because it ain't about you, it's about Jesus. It's always gotta be about Jesus. And about what he says in John chapter five, a new commandment I give you to go love one another. Not about me, but just to go love people. <clears throat> and I love the, 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 the story found in Luke chapter 10. If you haven't been here, um, you may be in a treat or you may be mortified by this, because I'm about to give you the JIV. JIV is Jack's idiotic version of the Bible, all right? You cannot find this in stores. Dog's nervous, like, man, I gotta get up out of here. I don't know. Lightning bolts are about to come down. But check it out. and, and I just kinda wanna tell the story of what's going on here in Luke chapter 10. Jesus has gone in the home of Mary and Martha, and as he's sitting in there, there's two ladies that, that, that are talked about in this scripture. One's Mary, one's Martha. Now, Mary is, is kinda sitting at the feet of Jesus as he's telling and as he's telling stories and teaching but what we see with Martha is this, man, she's out and about doing the duties of the house, right? She's making sure that people's glasses are filled, making sure the nachos are on the table, making sure that people aren't spilling stuff on the floor. She's washing dishes, making sure the house is clean, just continuing on, just just make it just busy, right? And so as she's doing these things, she keeps kind of seeing Mary just kind of sitting on the floor doing nothing, And she gets angry and upset at these verses. She's like, hey, Jesus, can you tell Mary just to get up and do something? She's not doing anything. And Jesus' response is like, no, she's where she needs to be. She's where she needs to be. She's at the foot of the true and living God. And she's learning. And she's personally getting to know him. And she's doing more by sitting there and just in his presence than just doing stuff. And I love that because, again, sometimes we get caught up in just the busyness. And Jesus said, sometimes what you need to do, as he says in Scripture, is just be still and listen. And that's exactly what she was doing. And sometimes that's what we need to do. Be still and listen. Listen to God. Push the busyness out of your life. Fourth thing is this: review the power Christ has. Verse ten says the power of the resurrection. Two type of people I want to talk about as we jump into this real quick. It's talking about the power of the resurrection again. We need to review the power Christ has. The first one is this. Um, Christ has the power to change us. Again, it's talking about that transformation that happens. And here's the thing, if you've been here for a while, I always say this, if you've ever truly met Jesus face-to-face, there is no way you're the same person after you meet him face-to-face. There's got to be a change that comes. When you meet Jesus face-to-face in his purest, people are going to be drawn to that. And it is going to change them, and it is going to change you. And so that transformation happens. And our desires should change. Our habits should change. Our perspectives should change. And even our directions in life should change. Love what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Paul is reiterating that. You're now a new creation in Christ. And we need to understand The power that raised Christ from the dead, that Holy Spirit, if you've given your life to Christ, you now have that living in you. And that is an incredible power that one day is going to actually raise you from the dead. Isn't that amazing? You got it in you. And so allow that Holy Spirit to start to transform, to start working in you. The second one is this, is we need to understand that... um, Christ has the power to change others. Sometimes we have this idea that, hey, you know what? Man, there's no way that person can ever change. They know Jesus is gonna change. And I don't care if it was somebody that was a mass murderer at one point, to somebody who was the greatest missionary that we've ever seen, because here's the thing, In history, he was one and the same, and his name was Paul who actually wrote these scriptures. The guy who went through in the beginning of his uh, crusade to go and try wiping Christianity out by himself by persecuting and killing Christians met Jesus face to face, and guess what happened? He changed. He was transformed where he went from killing Christians to where he went to spreading the gospel and telling about the love of Jesus. We have that. The fifth thing is this remember when Jesus died. Remember when Jesus died. First 10 says, hey, conformed to his death. See, we should die to our sins because Jesus died for our sins. And there are some of us that are in here, and again, there's stuff I know I've got to clean out in my life, and I've got to ask Jesus as I was sitting over there uh, during worship. I said, Jesus, you've cleaned the temple before. Please clean this one. Because there's stuff in my heart. There's stuff that, you know what, that I desire, that I know isn't from you. And you know what? Before I even preach this message, Lord, I need you to work on my heart. I need you to come in here and cleanse this. And so that's what we have to ask for. We have to sit there and say, hey, you know what? We've got our hearts here. And sometimes we say, man, I gave my life to Christ. But what happens sometimes is, you know what? Maybe you gave 99.9% of your life to Christ, but you're still holding on to that one thing in the dark recesses of your heart that maybe, maybe you're thinking God doesn't see, but he sees it. And what we need to understand is what? God doesn't want 99.9%. He wants the whole thing. You know why? Because he gave the whole thing up on the cross for you. And when we give our lives to him, if you've only given up 99.9%, then you really haven't given it all to him. And so maybe the day we look and we say, hey, what's left that I need to give him? Because I haven't truly given it all to him. You want to reignite that fire, you've got to do it. If you want to have a relationship with God that maybe you've never had before, do it. And I'm telling you this, it is a process, it's gonna be tough. But I gotta be honest with you, I think that's where in Mark chapter eight says deny yourself daily and pick up your cross. It sucks to pick that cross up sometimes, doesn't it? But we have to do it anyway. And so one of the things we have to do, again, give it all to him because he gave it all to you. I'm gonna read these verses real quick. Romans chapter six, verses four through six says this. It says, we were bab- we were buried, Buried. Good night. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been unified with him, talking about Jesus, in a death like his, we shall certainly be unified with him in a re- resurrection. Like his. We know that our old self has been crucified with him in order that the body of all might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Jesus died for your sin. Let's give it to him. He wants it. And maybe, just maybe you bought into the line and said, Hey, listen, not that sin. I'm ashamed of that sin. And there's no way that God can take that from me because I gotta be honest with you, I feel like maybe I've got to hold on to that and I've got to carry that for the rest of my life. And Jesus is saying, no, I died for it. Just give it to me. It doesn't matter how dark or how big or how nasty it is. He's saying, just give it to me. Because I don't want you to carry that around because I love you too much for you to carry it around. So just give it to me. Because you never as... um, Andrew was talking about you're never going to experience that fullness of life until you do. See, since our daily selfishness caused Christ to die, a brutal death and a brutal torture on the cross, we should not take our sin lightly because sometimes what will happen is maybe you think it's too serious to give to God, but then maybe you think it's too small to give to God. Give it all to him. Maybe you want to tongue and cheek it. Ah, he he don't care about it, it'll be all right. No, God takes it all serious. Whether you murdered somebody or maybe you accidentally stole a pencil, it's the same to him. Last verse is this, Romans 6 verse 11 says this. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Remember, five things I challenge you guys this week to start working on. First one, Put out worldly fires. Second one, scorn your own goodness. Third one, long to know Christ personally. Fourth one, review the power of Christ um, has. And then the last one, remember when Jesus died. Let's pray. Father, as um, we wrap up this message right now, I just pray, Lord, that you know what, man, that right now that we just push everything aside, that you know what, that we focus, that we listen, that we be still, and maybe Christ is talking to some person in here right now and saying, hey, here's what I need you to do. Here's what needs to happen. For some, you know what, we haven't done this in a while, and I don't even know if this is COVID safe. I don't know. Andrew will talk to me later about it. Maybe you wanna come down to this altar. Maybe you just wanna sit beside your seats But say, hey, you know what? At this moment, at this time, man, I'm gonna talk to my God. Again, my God. And just open up and just let him know what's going on with me because he already knows. But here's the thing, man. He wants to hear from you. He wants to come alongside of you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to comfort you. Whatever it is you're going through, he wants to do that because he loves you that much. He desires to be with you that much. And so maybe there's someone here that, you know what, that have been holding on to stuff for a long, long time. Maybe today is the day that, you know what, that you get that weight off your shoulders. That you decide that, hey, today is the day that, you know what, that that I want to know what it truly feels to have full life in Christ. And so I want to hand this over to him. I want to give it to him because, you know what, I've been carrying it for a long time and I've got regret and I've got shame because of it. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, give it to me and let me bear that because I died for And so Jesus, I pray that you speak to each one of our hearts individually. And I pray, Father, that you move us into action. Lord, we thank you and we praise you in your precious and holy name, amen.